Welcome to Digital Marketing for Financial Planners, the podcast where you learn which digital marketing strategies are working best for advisors. We interview financial planners who share what is working or not for their practice. Here is your host, Jake Wagner. Hello and welcome to Digital Marketing for FP. This is your host, Jake Wagner. And on today's show, we have Joe Messenger from College Aid Pro. Joe is here to talk to us about how to raise the bar on college planning advice. Hey, Joe, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, Jake. How are you, buddy? I am doing excellent and just excited to have you on the show for today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So first thing off the gate, you just tell us a little bit about you, your company, and uh, how you got to where you are today. Okay, I'll give you the, the, three, the three minute version. I started financial services in 2001. Uh, great time to get started in the dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. And worked uh, worked for uh, large firms for about the first half of my career and worked for some of the biggest names in the business, did a lot of recruiting, training, development as well, sales training. And then 2009, just kind of got the itch to go and form our own independent RAA, go fee only. But also, we saw a huge gap in a in the market and an opportunity to serve uh, late stage college bound families in a in a different way. Uh, so those that really have high schoolers and beyond. So so we launched our firm Capstone Wealth Partners in '09, and we've done very well. We built a nice firm there, still still uh, growing. But around 2016 2017, was asked to speak at a couple industry conferences. And fast forward, if we look at like what happened, we developed some training and resource platforms with XY and NAPFA and FPA and very humbled to be asked by those folks to lead the charge because uh, quite honestly, we saw that families are struggling with how to uh, find a college they can afford, but financial planners aren't faring much better. Yeah. So we saw this real opportunity. And my partner, Dave Bowen, and I put together a very robust training course that was nine to 10 hours long. And we talked about the mechanics of college funding, but we also talked about how to market it and become the go-to expert in your community as a niche, uh, which is what we did in our firm. And people would go through that platform. And we talked quite a bit about technical aspects, behavioral and emotional side. How do you market it? How do you make it profitable? And at the end of that, it basically people would say, okay, great. What software do we use? Um, (laughs) And so from that, we said they all have some shortcomings and they just, none of them really did what we needed them to do. Traditional financial planning software only shows you the, the sticker price of college. It doesn't let you have any insight into financial aid. So, and it doesn't let you shop. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not a shopping tool. It's just, here's what it's going to cost. So, and I equate the way that we're still shopping for college this day, these days, the way that we shop for airlines back in like the seventies and eighties, you just call TWA and say, I need a flight from Phoenix to New York. And they'd tell you the price and you'd pay it. So can um, you tell <laughs> us just a little bit more about just the, the problem that you're solving and what is a you know late stage uh, college researching look like, and um, and just let's let's start there and just unpack yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, our, our fundamental belief at College Aid Pro, myself and my partners, we come together about 2017, and really the fundamental belief is we need to change the way America shops for college, and we believe that we can make college affordable for every family in in this country and every student. So, but to do that, we have to raise the bar in college funding advice. We have to go beyond college savings plans because people save what they can. Mm-hmm. So it's it's most people's college planning begins and ends with put money into a college savings plan or some other instrument to save for the goal. Along with, I'd say, making a part of the student's onus is to 
it's not as much financial as it is just to work as hard as they can to get as good of grades and as much financial award as they can possibly get. And and all of that doesn't really constitute a strategy, right? Or even understanding the full cost of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because we, we say the way we shop for college is all wrong. And what I mean by that is we tell our kids, go get the great grades, kill it on the ACT and volunteer be in the science program, all those things is leading to build your resume to get into the best possible college. And we're telling our kids, look, if you get in, you'll figure it out. And we're taking them on tours of colleges and they're going and seeing places, you know, you go up and down the East Coast when you can do that again. But you see schools like Vanderbilt and Georgetown and MIT and Harvard and all these amazing schools. All the while, what I equate that to is letting a 17-year-old only test drive Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and Bentleys. They're going to want sure. them. Mm-hmm. But if you, have a, if you have a Camry budget, you should be having that conversation. You can't just be saying, honey, if you get in, we'll figure it out. Because figuring it out means a lot of people get hurt. Yeah, and it's also not planning, right? Right, right. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah. our slogan here at the agency is, you're a planner. Do you have a plan? You know, in our case, a digital mm-hmm. marketing plan. But getting ahead of this, this is... College planning, besides home ownership and retirement, like those are three really the greatest expenses that someone can possibly have in their lives. And when it comes to college, you also have very little awareness, education, or tools to understand what that cost might be. I mean, so when you're talking about Ferraris and Camrys, can you just draw that out a little bit more? And just what are some of the situations that you've seen folks get into and why one answer might be better than another? Why go to a state school or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think you bring up a good point there in that, yes, we're talking about retirement and the the industry line has always been, there's lots of ways to pay for college and only one way to pay for retirement. And I can tell you, if you're still saying that, those people are going to come work with a firm like mine very quickly. We have to evolve beyond that. So the number one detriment to an on-time retirement is overpaying for college. And people are doing it each and every day. So can you draw some, you before, or in one of our previous conversations, even drew some numbers for that. Can you share that with the audience? Yeah. So one of the ways that we try and we just try, you try and frame things and help people understand what's the outcome look like. If we make this decision, what does it look like? So I did a white paper a, a while back and it just basically said, Look, if one school we figure out costs us $200,000 out of pocket and another one costs 100000 is this other school worth the 100% premium? So the math I ran was, what if I just put that $100,000 in brokerage account when the kid's 18? Well, guess what? When they're 65, they have over $3 bucks, even in a moderate portfolio. Sure, gotta love those laws of doubling, yeah. Right? So, I mean, $100,000 deposited when you're 17, 18 year old, you tell me, does that student that went to the double the price school actually have that much better of a job prospect, that much better of a return on education? Or are there colleagues, if you get into the Ivy League school, is it about some sort of, you know, networking opportunity that then starts to get to be a little bit more intangible? Mm-hmm. Does it open up some, yeah, some job opportunity that if you go to Carnegie Mellon versus Pennsylvania State, that you get some internship that starts to open up a career for you? I mean, I could see those being some of the reasons. But also know that doesn't happen to every student. Yeah, well, I'd say two things. Go Lions, because I'm a proud Penn State grad, and I ended mm-hmm. up okay. Um, but Carnegie Mellon's an awesome school. School fit mm-hmm. is important. But what we try to, what we would encourage people to think about is help clients understand the finish line. What I mean by that is we need to help them understand uh, how they're going to pay for all four years of college down to the penny, including the resulting loans and the loan payment. Mm-hmm. 
And that is what we're not doing a great job of, we feel like. And telling people to just look at the state school is also not always the best choice. So the interesting thing is, Jake, is that when we have people looking at a school like Carnegie Mellon, they don't have scholarships, really. I mean, they're very mm-hmm. few. So understanding schools like MIT and Harvard, those schools don't have scholarships. So if you're a higher income earning family, I can tell you right now that you're, not, you're going to pay full price there. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the flip side of that, one of my stories I've talked about this year a lot, we're, we're sending a student to Georgetown for half the price that they would have went to Ohio State as their in-state school. Cool. So why is that? It's, it, why is that? This is a yeah. kid that was only looking at community colleges and maybe the state schools. But I said, look, the way that those school like Georgetown operates, they meet 100% of your need and they need kids like you, but they don't have any scholarships. It doesn't matter if you're the valedictorian. It doesn't matter if you're the perfect ACT. That's mm-hmm. just how they run their business. Yeah. And I also so, know I went to a small, small little liberal arts school in the middle of Ohio, the College of Worcester. And it's something like 86% of the students who are there have some version of financial aid. It is the private school trying to make it cheaper and yep. could have been an athletic thing. Uh, it was a Scottish school, so maybe it's a bagpipe scholarship. But I did see many students that it was cheaper to go to that private school than to a public school. Yeah, or, or close to it. And what we say is yeah. don't rule schools out based on the sticker price. Okay. So the really kind of the magic we talk about is when we look at how do we do college shopping smarter, it's a three-headed monster. So you've got your, your finances that are going to determine what the school thinks that you can pay because your EFC right now, expected family contribution. So they're going to run you through a formula. And they're going to say, here's what we think you can pay. And then your students' academics are going to determine if you're available for scholarships. So as I talked about, some schools do it based on need, others based on merit of the student to give you discounts. But the thing that we can't control, anybody can control, is the business model of that school. Yeah. Nobody can well, control and also that. And the business model of this college, what is it, Joe? Is it 7% annually that the cost of co- uh, college goes up every year? And I mean, and there's some rebuilding of buildings. Teachers don't <laughs> get paid enough more too. This is a different yeah. topic, but where does some of that money go? Yeah. And regardless, it's about understanding our family's contribution to this humongous expense that also is really important for our any career opportunity that happens after college or, or during. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to understand, like, there. number one, there are schools worth the premium to pay to go for some of those reasons you talked about. But like helping people understand their outcome, what does a typical student go to? Things have evolved. I think when maybe many of us went to college, things it's were... been 20 years for the two of us, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it just the, the, what's at stake is so much greater. We just, as as planners, I mean, I think we were talking about this before, like, just just put yourself in your shoes. And if I... If I did a, a, a poll of everybody listening to this podcast. I said, how many of you have an advanced designation in financial planning? Probably mm-hmm. two thirds of the room goes up. I'm a CFP or I'm a CPA. If I said, if you ask yourself honestly, how many of you would consider yourself an expert in college finance and financial aid planning? Most hands would go down, mm-hmm. right? So it's quite interesting to me though, that 73% of parents say the number one financial concerns paying for college. Yeah. And also yeah, we don't say, know how to solve one of the, one of the details I like the most about College Aid Pro is a software. And, and when Dave was showing it to me years ago and I fell in love with it, it was the fact that you can show an 18-year-old what it, their monthly expenses are going to be to pay back that college loan. And it's like, okay, if you go here, you're going to be looking at $217 a month. And if you go here, you're going to be paying $320 a month for this long, whatever it has. But it also it really starts to put it into a lens that I think is understandable and ingestible for the college student and their parents. Yeah. 
And yeah. that's where the rubber hits the road. That Those are the numbers that actually make sense. When you're done, this is what you're going to make, and this is going to be your monthly payment. Mm-hmm. And there's that's very little really expertise out there about this too, right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, and I think when we talked about shortcomings maybe of other platforms that have been available, traditional financial planning software is short because it just doesn't, it only shows the sticker price. These and other programs, they were too based on averages. This is such a, I always say like you are a snowflake in this process of shopping for college and how you shop for college for your, for your kids or your client's kids is completely different than the next person that walks in the room because yeah. of those factors I talked about. So instead of it being based on averages, you can spend five minutes putting the information on the family's finances and their, and their students' academics and College Aid Pro will do the rest. That'll give you cool. a highly personalized output. And that's always been the problem with raising the bar on college funding advice is how do you do this in a way that uh, doesn't take hours and hours out of my practice to do this? Because it's labor intensive. It used to take me mm-hmm. five, six hours. Now it takes me five to seven minutes to do an analysis. We have every scholarship for every school in the country. And, and we'll tell you with about a 90% accuracy what your out-of-pocket costs will be to go to each school that you're looking at. But more importantly, I just ran an analysis with a with an advisor this morning for, for the family. All five schools the family was interested in, they were all going to cost them uh, full price, 70000 plus for each one. And they said, well, gosh, what do we do now? I said, well, we go find schools that are going to give you scholarships because you're not uh, a candidate for need-based aid. So our advanced search tool, I was literally able to say, show me schools within 500 miles of Boston that will give my students merit scholarships. And we gave them a rank order. Here's 121 schools are going to give you the best scholarships. And that's proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, it is. And the other thing that's really coming up for me with this is just like, this is a little bit uh, phenological, but that economics really wants to treat money as value neutral. And, and it's a highly charged topic. And in that same way, if people look in a financial planning program, Money Guide Pro will send and here's the average cost. Well, that could be up to 100% more or half as much, depending on the result you find in College Aid Pro, right? Yeah. So, and, and a lot of that gets into, like you said, what do we do as financial planners? Our job is to help people see into the future, right? And that's really our job is looking at things and saying, well, what does this outcome look like and how can we improve that situation? Sometimes it's reducing costs and we meet with people all the time just because people ask, well, hey, what's my number? I've got a million dollars. Is that enough? I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know anything about your goals. I don't know what your income yep. goals are. I don't know what kind of lifestyle you have. A million dollars means nothing. If you so, want to drive Camrys till, till they're for 300,000 miles and some other things like that, you can do a yeah. lot. And if you want to get that, that newest Tesla, it's a different set of options. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's trade-offs. And people get frustrated with a financial aid system of like, well, gosh, I'm not an e-based candidate. Like just because they make 250000 I mean, I live in I live in San Francisco, and I'm like, well, the formulas don't care, and you've made choices to drive that Mercedes S class instead of saving for college. Mm-hmm. So there's all these trade offs, but that's the big thing about doing college planning the right way. You have to get mom and dad on the same page, or mom and mom, or dad and dad on the same page mm-hmm. before you even have this conversation with the student, because it's, it amazes me. I'm talking to people with a 16 year old that are going to get a bill for twenty five to eighty five thousand dollars a year for four years. And they still yeah. haven't talked about how they're going to pay for college. So is there often like uh, couples who aren't on the same page with their understanding about how this is going to get paid for and what the outcome is going to look like? hundred percent. And it creates this quagmire. And what I mean by that is one of the first things we ask, and if people are 
taking notes or you're driving, just something I ask families when they come in, as they say, they come in and they, they throw the kitchen sink at you. Here's all the 529s and here's the college savings, blah, blah, blah. I say, all right, time out. Before we dig into the finances, tell me about your college experience. Where did you go? Mm-hmm. How was it paid for? Mom's sitting there going, well, gosh, you know, I, I worked part-time and did it over seven years, took out some student loans. And, and I think that's fine. And dad's like, well, I went to a private school for four years and it was all paid for by my parents. Okay, great. Well, where do we find the middle ground? How do we have a conversation? And that's when we get into our college pre-approval budget, which is helping people understand how normal families pay for college every day and mm-hmm. make sure that they have to have, they have to show a business plan of how they'll pay for college. That's what pre-approval is all about. So how, how far in depth does that go? And how can a planner help support their clients with that pre-approval process? So we've got some conversational pieces around it that I think even if you don't use the College A Pro software, it's really about just walking families through, look, families pay for college through, yes, through the savings that they have, but also have a conversation about cash flow. How do you cash flow it? How do you expect mm-hmm. the student to participate? And then what grandparent outside help is out there? Because I got to tell you, all of those are huge opportunities, depending on what seat you sit in. If you're working with an older clientele, a more seasoned clientele, if your grandparents have money for their grandkids, I can tell you those kids coming into my office, they have no idea what it is. They can't talk to their parents about money. Sure. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So this opens up a tremendous door, even if you're serving predominantly grandparents that are through this phase, but they want to help with college for their grandkids. Maybe there's 10,000 there hey, let's have a meaningful conversation with your kids and your grandkids. And at the same time, you're going to be able to hopefully retain that asset, have a meaningful conversation instead of saying, hey, when dad dies, I'd really like to manage this money for you. So one of the things I really like about what you're sharing is just rather than a lot of people try to define, a lot of planners will try to define their niche as I serve women in transition and maybe even going deeper and, you know, I serve divorcees or I serve widows. It seems like you've really dove into a different type of niche. And Mm -hmm. that a part of what I'm hearing from you, and it just, I want to encourage the audience to understand how to find this for themselves, that you did start an RIA, you worked at it, you built, and you also grew quickly. And it seems like a big part of why is because You found a very specific problem in the financial planning process. How expensive is college going to be for my family, for my daughter, for my son, and understanding the financial implications there? And you found a lot of meat on the bones, and it's also really Mm -hmm. helped you grow. So, yeah, can you just share a bit about that process and about your niche and how it's worked for you? Yeah, I mean, there's... There's so much wrapped up in, in kind of what we're trying to do. But I think if, if it's college funding or any other niche, if it's new families, if it is divorcees, we think of ourselves as, as really a life stage niche. And that is okay. people that are predominantly in their 40s to early 50s. Their number one concern is how to pay for college. It's an acute need. And the only thing someone else needs to know about that family is that they have a high schooler that would like to go to college. The referability in our market is huge. So there's a, well, this is a marketing podcast. So I have a rule. It's called five up, five down marketing. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about this, but if you think of yourself, right, you think of yourself, I'm 43. You probably know people that are five years older to five years younger than you in a similar socioeconomic class, Mm -hmm. right? So if I'm in a niche, like just so happens, like I know people that are 48 to 38 right now, and that's people that are coming into this right now. All of our clients, they go to the same sports games, they go to the same schools. So Once you have virality and people know what you do, the number one thing I hear from parents 
when they come in and talk to us, if they have an advisor or not, I didn't even know a service like this existed. Imagine that in financial services. I didn't even know a service like this existed. I'm going to go tell all my friends. That's yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. And, and then they go to FDA retreat and say, hey, I just heard about this thing that's going to really help my clients. Let me yeah. talk to you about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that virality, I think when we talk about marketing and that five up, five down rule, like I equate our firm and what we've been able to do, everything from client attraction, acquisition, and service is all built around that ideal client. We have a very homogenous client base. And what that allows you to do is scale things. Mm-hmm. And I call our, I call ourselves the Chipotle of financial planning. So, you know, we're not working with all multi multi-millionaires, but I tell you what, our average client is 500 to a million of investable assets. And they come in and they need six or seven of our nine ingredients, but it's all very similar. So our process and their pain points, we're really able to dig in on the behavioral, the emotional, the coaching, reduce the stress and anxiety and fear. And you found efficiencies as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we flipped that switch for us in our firm, we went to, I have a great partner I've been with for over 15 years. And the reason I'm able to do what I'm able to do is because I'm the front of the house and he's the back of the house. We kind of said, we're going to run it as a firm. We're not going to silo our clients. We're going to team up. So now we've got a couple staffers and the two of us. And it's a very efficient, very profitable practice that way. So you said that you're in a life stage niche. And I really like mm-hmm. that. Are there, is being in a transition, is that also a life stage niche? Because it seems like it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think young families just had your first kid. You know, that we mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that come up for those folks. I think that's a niche. College. Yeah. College costs being one of those. Families that have more than six kids, Joe. I mean, there's some, <laughs> a lot of families that have, and I do have, I have one client, he has nine kids. I mean, understanding yeah. how to have affordable meals and how to first kids off to college and the last one's still in diapers. So there's some yeah. serious financial planning challenges in that. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's other ones out there. The Instant Money Institute, I think is one a group. They talk about people that have just came into money, be that, however that happens. Like, yeah. It's these yeah, stages, no, but- Susan Bradley in the Sudden Money Institute. And yeah. uh, Susan's definitely, a, she's been a lifelong family friend. Hear yeah. about her a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I love her stuff because it's it's a similar mm-hmm. way of saying, look, it, everybody else is going to think, hey, you've got all this money. All your, all your problems are solved. And what she talks about is, well, no, it actually, it creates opportunities and challenges. And let's talk through those. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, if you're in a niche, you can just really scale your practice by understanding those. And you can build your, your service models, your pricing, your fees, everything becomes easier once you have clarity on who you serve. Yeah, and also it's more than just the the riches in the or in the niches, as they say. It's also like I have one marketing teacher that I'm learning a lot from right now, and he says that you basically can't dive too deep into a niche that you know, a lot of us have heard about. Like Kitz is talking about his client who's uh, just deals with bass fishermen. That's at least still big fishing, but there's, you can, you can dive down into really super duper sub parts. Like these are, this is my community. These are the people that I help. And by doing that, then you're also become that the go-to guy. Well, you're a part of like, Hey, over here in Portland, like we, we help Nike executives. We support Adidas executives, something like that. But by having those efficiencies, and then if you do surge meetings or something of the like, you start to have the same patterns show up, which also start to save you time and give you better deliverables to your clients. Yeah, and it's, it's continuing to evolve for us because we've been around for over a decade. So one thing that just a, a little marketing tool we do for all of our kids going off to college, we send them a stadium blanket. 
And you would have thought we just sent them the first year's tuition because it's 50 <laughs> bucks per client going off to school for us, University of Cincinnati, Butler, Gonzaga, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is, Baylor, maybe. But you know, whoever it is, it's just it's a simple little gesture that acknowledges the things that are most important to them, education and their kids. Mm-hmm. How many financial advisors have that level? So well, they should too, Joe. I mean, so the framework, so we're, we're certified partners with Digital Marketer and we use their framework with our clients. And a lot of that's based around uh, stages of intimacy that we do on an interpersonal level. It's not based in marketing, it's actually based in anthropology. Yeah. And the last step of that, there's the last two stages are the advocate stage when someone is, supports you. And if someone asks for a referral, they will name you. And then the final one is promoter stage. And it, it almost seems silly, except for it's not. And mm-hmm. that is, and there's a Napoleon quote about how people will die, kill, cheat, steal for a piece of blue ribbon. That when you have that brand association, that you're actually having someone be at that promoter stage is one of the deepest ways that they can show support. And even if it's just, hey, here's my blanket for the game and how I'm going to show support for this process, my kid, all the rest of it, it really touches people's hearts, even though it almost seems superficial. Yeah. 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 There's there's just these things that as you evolve, I mean, we continue to those little gifts, those little things, but then come to find out as our students now are graduating, like we get to go back and focus on the retirement planning for those folks. And we get to focus on guess what their new number one financial concern is that their recent graduate gets started on the right foot. So we've even Mm -hmm. developed a a very small for getting started fast with uh, kids that have graduated in the last couple of years. So because we listened to our clients, they said, this is great. I'm glad we're refocused on retirement, but can you talk with Jim and Susan? Because I really want them to get off on the right foot. Can you do a financial plan for them? So then you're also telling me that you're coming in, folks are coming in through this efficiency, through this hyper niche, hyper specificity, and you're helping them with that presenting need and you're helping them hopefully with for the rest of their financial lives and then they've received so much value they want to move forward you're their guy now and they're like college great i'm glad we've got that handled now let's take care of our own oxygen masks um it's maybe not the right order but you've now opened up into their core needs and you can talk about those deeper goals and you've taken care of them. You've gotten some stuff off the table too, which really helps. Yeah. We've given them confidence in their plan. We've understand the trade-offs. And then ultimately, you know, our practice now, the first quarter of this year, because we're kind of near the end of the first quarter, Mm -hmm. we brought in a lot more dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot more dollars have come in through. We've had to get very good at wealth transition and inheritance money and transitioning people into retirement. So as you can imagine, if you start working with people that are 45 to 55, guess what's coming in the next five to 10 years for them? Retirement and inheritance. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we I, I say all the time, like we don't add another client. We're still going to grow by 20, 30%. Absolutely. Well, and there's, so. there's only, I forget the fellow who came up with it and I should remember him. I'm sorry, but there's only three ways for a business to grow. You know, you can either acquire new customers. You can charge the customers that you have more for what you're already charging them for, or you can sell them more stuff. And there's those, mm-hmm. those are the three levers. That's it. And if you have a system set up right and you're being a valuable professional, then folks are going to want to come back to you. We find that here as well. Someone comes in for a group course, and then they have five more things that they want us to do after they've gotten that education. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that gets the, that's a great point about just the hook. 
right? People talk about a niche is essentially a hook, but it allows you to mm-hmm. scale. But if you don't have an efficient and effective way to do some type of meaningful analysis that doesn't take you forever, you're going to abandon it. And we really feel like with the system we built with, with, with CAP, College Aid Pro, it allows you to have some diagnostics. You don't have to be an expert of everything. You just have to make sure the right information goes in. We'll do the rest. <laughs> so I want you to tell the audience a little bit more about College Aid Pro. We're, we're coming up on the end of our time today. And I just I want to make sure folks know where to go for this resource and how to use it. Yeah. So go to collegeaidpro.com. I encourage, like, if you want to learn more, demo is always the best way, in my opinion. Uh, we do mm-hmm. have a free trial on there as well. And what I what I would like to provide to you is we actually have an ebook called The Blueprint for Launching and Growing a Wildly Successful College Planning Business. And we're going to make sure to have that ebook on the blog post for this episode. And we'll also have a link to it in the description if you're using a podcast app to listen to this right now. Yeah, because I really feel like if people are looking to what does this mean? What this all about? We get all the way into the weeds about how do you put it on a fee disclosure? What are fee ranges we should look at? How do we build a service around this? So it, I really tried to make that because we've learned a lot working with hundreds and hundreds of advisors over the years that you know you want to have uh, do your due diligence if this is something you want to delve into and how. And so you basically have a implementation guide that folks are going to be able. They'll share their email with us, and that might set them up for a demo. And, um, and they'll also get this white paper so they can understand what it looks like to just roll this out into their practice. Yep. Yep. As I say, it kind of goes through, are you looking to make this your niche? Are you looking to make this part of your practice for existing clients? So yeah, just see, you know, how do you charge for it? What are the compliance ramifications? So one of the things about college funding that I've learned and trying and working with some of the larger uh, broker dealers and things like that is we've always struggled with two things. Number one is how do we make money with college planning? And then number two is how do we regulate it? Because there is no standard designation. So those are the kind of things we try to provide some, some runways for so that you can have some, some guidance on how you might want to do this. That's helpful. And yeah. when is it going to be a bad idea for like, who isn't a fit for College Aid Pro? Uh, it's another good question. So I'd say there's, there's three, three options here. Okay. So what I don't want is for people to, to continue to ignore college funding and the late stage college planning. So we always say like, you can learn it yourself, become an expert, learn this stuff. And maybe it's your niche. You want to add it. Uh, Number two, if you're too busy, you don't have the bandwidth. Maybe you have a junior advisor like we have, like that junior advisor that's maybe 26 to 32, man, this is a heck of a way for that newly minted CFP to know something that can add a ton of value and help you attract folks. So Mm -hmm. anoint them as your expert, work with us to have them be that. Or number three, outsource it. If you don't mm-hmm. feel like you can do this work, talk to us. Talk to us about our solutions to help you support you uh, through this process if that's something you want to do. But just let me just say that don't ignore it. Like have a have a way to address this. So again, folks, go to www.collegeaidpro.com, and we'll also have links in the description right here to make it so that it's nice and easy for you as possible. I think that this is an incredible resource. It's something that advisors really need to know about, even if it's just making sure that you have this arrow in your quiver for when that moment comes up in your strategic planning. Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the show and for everything that you've shared with the audience today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Obviously, we're, we're super passionate about this. And as we've been saying, like we need, uh, we need to raise the bar on college funding advice if we want to end the student loan crisis one family at a time. Absolutely. And this is, this is an epidemic that you're addressing right here. And there aren't enough folks out there who understand how to do proper and effective college purchasing. And there is, guys, the other side of this on when you have those over 
are overburdened with loans, uh, which we're not going to talk about today. But these two questions are super salient for advisors. And the other part is just as you dive and go deeper into the problems that you solve and the type of person that you solve and who your ideal client is, that a part of what happens is that you become more of an expert, you get efficiencies, and it actually opens up possibilities for you. Theoretically, maybe it's possible to dive too far into a niche, but you're smart and you're not going to do that. And um, there's some valuable tools that we've been able to share with you today and would love for you to just reply back to us with whatever you're listening to this with what it is that you've learned. And also make sure to subscribe, share, like this podcast. And with that, we want to thank you for tuning into this episode of Digital Marketing or FP. Take care and have a great day.